episode 196, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. And this is a podcast about Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you're listening, it's because you know this is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you're interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you were quite possibly in the cinema recently. And that's why you're listening to this particular episode, because we are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And by we, I mean me, Ben, Ben Avery, and... I am Groot. No, it's <laughs> me, Stuart, from the UP. Yay! Yeah. And we just saw the movie. and We did. Not together, but... No. The, the no. movie was seen yes. by both of us in the recent past. And yeah, there... It, you know, it's a movie episode, so I'm thinking we'll talk about the plot, we'll talk about the characters, we'll talk about the themes, we'll talk about the style, that kind of uh, review quadrant that I use when I talk about things sometimes. And as far as spoilers go, we are spoiling this movie itself. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is going to be spoiled completely in okay. this episode. So if you have not seen the movie then what you need to hear from me right now is I liked it and think you should see it, especially if you like the first one. And if you like Marvel movies in general, Stuart, you have anything to add to that? Um, I liked it and you should see it and you should probably, if you're going to take your kids, be wary that there's maybe a little bit more um, violence and or swearing and or innuendo than is normal. It sounded like, um, as far as language levels go, let's just say upper elementary schoolyard. That yes, and yes, it yes. goes a little bit further than that. Maybe sometimes because you know when you were in the schoolyard, there was always that one older kid who right. like knew things that you didn't know, right? And who would say things, and you're like, I don't know what that means, really, but it sounds really dirty. And it's that it's that junior high kid who really yeah. didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Who didn't get kid. into junior high. And, right. and so he's still there with you in, in fifth grade or sixth grade. And right. um, so, yeah, be aware of that for sure. And then also, um, yeah, it, it's it's got the attitude from the last one mm-hmm. and it cranks it up a little bit and and takes all those things you liked from the last one and cranks them up a little bit, does them a couple more times than it did last time, just like any sequel would do. Right. Um, and unlike and unlike a lot of other sequels, this one is actually really good. Uh, yeah. And so I'm not going to say much more than that, other than mm-hmm. there was a lot of grinning for, mm-hmm. from me and a lot of laughing from me. And mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. So for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, at this point, we're going to start spoiling the movie. And so you've been warned and you've gotten our, our recommendation and we welcome you back. If you care about spoilers, if you don't care about spoilers, stick with us and you know, you'll, you'll be able to know what to expect. 
is this the part where we play the spoiler thing? Would you like me to? Can you please? I will. I will play it for you, Stuart. Thank you. Spoilers. 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 Okay, so uh, I, I also want to tell people who are now listening to the whole episode, stay through to the end. <laughs> because as you should you are listening to a marvel cinematic universe podcast you stay till the very end so the lights come up in the theater that's when you leave no because the lights come up in my theater as soon as credits start rolling and i don't know what it is but what what which one movie was it recently might have been power rangers or something else where the lights came up but oh it was uh kong skull island the uh-huh. lights came up and there were some credits on the screen, but the scene was still going like the scene started and then the credits started and the scene continues while the credits are starting. The lights come up. People start walking out when, <laughs> what in the world. When, <laughs> Why are they thinking when I was building movies way back? I mean, this is like 10 years ago. Now this is episode one territory, not it, star Wars. Episode one was, you know, when I was working at the theater, we had a mandate that you couldn't put um, the light cue. There's a little metal strip. The light cue would that's what would trigger the lights to come up in the house. We couldn't put that on until the very first start of black credits. So if a movie didn't have black credits, the lights stayed off until the very, very last frame. Yeah, well, not my theater. And it happened with this movie, too. Oh, I'm so sorry. The lights came on. That's not a big deal. The people stood up. That's a deal. I mean, come on. You stayed for the movie. Stick around for the movie. I mean, this, this this Marvel Cinematic Universe is nine years old now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't learn it in nine years, you ain't going to learn it, I guess. So (laughs) like everything with this movie, though, post credit scenes (laughs) overkill. (laughs) It's. Five of them. There are five of them. Yeah. Five post credit scenes. Yeah. Five of them. So. <laughs> and what was funny was the first the in my theater we had. Uh, so, you know, we we have had this going on for nine years. And so people were like getting up and walking out. And then, you know, there was a bunch who stayed. But then after like the second one, they got up and walked out. And I was like, just sit here, kid. Yeah. And, and even here's the thing, though. The credits as they're going, there's fun stuff happening, even when yes. it's not the post credit stuff. Uh, yes. There's little like framed sticker type, type things that have the characters and they're doing their little dance moves. And um, you have uh, every once in a while, there'd be a credit that would come up and would say, I am Groot. Mm-hmm. And then it would it transform would... into the actual credit. Mm hmm. I mean, there is there was fun stuff even at the very end when it's not even a post credit. And so there's stuff to keep you occupied until you get to that final post credit scene. And and the the music also. I mean, did you hear the uh, <laughs> the David Hasselhoff? Yeah, I think they rendition call it uh, Guardians Inferno or something like that. Something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I had actually uh, that had been posted online before the movie came out. 
And so I got a chance to, to listen to it on YouTube and it's official release from, from Marvel. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, <laughs> what I didn't expect, like I knew David Hasselhoff had done the scene or done the, the song. I mm-hmm. did not know that he was going to get name dropped at the very beginning of the movie. And furthermore, I did not know he's going to show up in the movie. I, I didn't. <laughs> I thought, I thought, okay, David Hasselhoff likes to make fun of himself. This is kind of that same opportunity completely taken back when he starts, you know, being talked about. I certainly didn't expect him to show up uh, towards the end. Like in the flesh. Yeah. Like, cause that was fantastic. That was, I have a new appreciation for the Hoff right now. I have never lost my appreciation for the Hoff. I mean, maybe I came close to losing my appreciation for the Hoff when he appeared on different strokes. But Mr. T did too. I have no knowledge. I have no knowledge of this. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Arnold and his, uh, stepbrother, the cute kid that they brought in, uh, in the final season went and visited universal studios and, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't remember all the details, but somehow like Arnold got in, in kit and there was like a bomb <laughs> that was going to go off for a stunt or something like that. And yeah, as the, as it happens, <laughs> it does. It does. When that, you know what that feels just like? Just living the sitcom like life, hijinks. man. <laughs> yes. Hijinks have ensued. Hijinks did indeed ensue. So, but you know, it was all the NBC family. That's right. So, so, yeah. So here's David Hasselhoff appearing in the movie and then doing this rap disco song. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Sir something to listen to. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's an original song that they, they created and James Gunn wrote the lyrics and uh, Brian Tyler, who's who did the score for the, the movie. Uh, wrote the the music that went along with it, which is very much in kind with uh, the end credits of Iron Man three. Like it really felt yeah. like like Iron Man three's end credits. Um, I yeah. So there there's that there's that. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Let's start with our plot. Mm-hmm. The plot of this movie, which is not very difficult to explain. There's lots of details, but mm-hmm. the 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 overarching plot for those of you who are listening to this episode a year later, uh, need a (laughs) quick reminder. Basically Peter Quill wants to find his dad and that's kind of his driving force right now is he's always wanted to find his dad, but you know, that's not going to happen because he doesn't know who his dad is. He just knows something weird with him and they were just on a mission and the mission goes South and before the people from the mission are able to destroy Peter Quill, Star-Lord, and his friends, uh, someone comes... The Guardians. And, the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Uh, someone comes and rescues them. And who is it? It's Ego, the living planet, who is also Star-Lord's dad. And they have a reunion, and the team... You know, there, there's people who are suspicious of this guy, and they meet a new friend named Mantis, and then... They, they split up the team, and so Rocket and Groot and Nebula get captured by uh, the Ravagers, who end up, you know, there's there's a whole big subplot there where they end up 
winning against the Ravagers and and getting Yondu on their side and Yondu and and them are going to come and rescue them at the right moment because back over at Eagle, the living planet, well, he's a living planet who consumes his children because they aren't able to do what they need to do to help him to consume the universe. But he's able to do it now. He's going to consume the universe and they have to stop him. And they do. After a big battle. <laughs> and... And then you get Lord of the Rings ending with uh, <laughs> you just w- wondering, when is this movie done now? Oh, oh, a funeral. OK. Oh, wait, no, the funeral's not done. There's another half to the funeral. OK. And it just yeah. that's the uh, one complaint I have. And maybe that should fall into the, the style part of things. But th- there's a lot of repetition and there's a lot of just going back and you think something's finished and then nope, it's not done yet. And it it really shows up at the end where it's just, Oh, and for the most part, I don't mind that. Um, cause that's, that keeps you engaged in the story and it keeps the story moving forward and all that sort of stuff. At the end though, you're right. It does have, <laughs> it does grow tiresome. You're like Frodo, just get on the, I mean, just, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it does have that. It does have that Lord of the Rings, the end of the Return of the King feeling to it. Well, they have so many plot points that they have to resolve. You know, I mean, they, right. they have a lot of stuff with uh, Nebula and Gamera, the sister stuff. They have to resolve that, mm. and they have to resolve this whole funeral thing. Well, that's that's one thing. Is Yondu just needs a funeral from the Guardians? But then they already set up that Yondu was not going to get a Ravager funeral, but they show up and so that that mm-hmm. wraps up that little bit there and and then you have the whole thing between Drax and and Mantis and then you have a little bit of resolution with Drax and Groot and then you have resolution I mean it's it's resolving all these different things that were dangling threads but mm-hmm. man <laughs> it felt like the movie's done can we move on yeah yeah (laughs) but that's just the end let's start back at the beginning because if you're talking about the movie itself you know the body of the movie the first act i was grinning almost the whole time well yeah this definitely did one of the problems with sequels is that they go, okay, we're going to, we're going to be better than the last one. We're going to have to introduce a whole bunch of new things and, and show you, you know, more world or, you know, whatever. This one was like, no, 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 (laughs) you guys stayed through us for the first movie. We're going to give you the first movie again, you know, crass language, funny dance moves, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's a whole lot of, Hey, you remember this from the first movie? Yeah, you liked it then. You're going to like it you now. you like it now. And for the most part, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So they start they... they start on Earth. Mm-hmm. And we get to see Kurt Russell. Now, do you think they did the, the Kurt Russell young again like they've done in Civil War and um, Ant-Man? Okay, I don't know. I didn't read the article, but I did see a headline that basically said it was mostly just natural. While it was happening, I was thinking about it. Dave, his hair is such a, in such a way they could have airbrushed his face a little bit. You can do a lot yeah. with makeup, right? They you did know, a lot with a little, though, with this. Right, right. Yeah. So I was – and 
and I was grinning. Okay, so <laughs> he comes on, he grins, and I start grinning. Oh yeah, of course, of course, because that's the that's the Kurt Russell grin, right? Yeah, that's big. That's Big <laughs> Trouble in Little China. That's Tron. That's all of these eight Starman. No, that was Jeff Bridges. Yeah, we're you're, you're getting into Jeff Bridges there, man. A little bit. Okay, but yeah, so. <laughs> We, but it's still that it's still that 80s, you know, uh, uh, power smile. Yeah, no, it it felt like I was seeing, you know, just this young, young guy again, you know, and oh, I'm grinning and he's there and they're singing the song. They come back to that song a bunch of times because that that song kind of gives us a little bit of a theme uh, mm-hmm. to, to some of, uh, the Kurt Russell stuff that's going on there, the ego stuff. But, um, you know, we know this is, this is his dad. And then, mm-hmm. and then we get into it. We get baby Groot dancing while everyone is just getting trounced by a dimensional hopping, uh, creature. And I, I can't stop grinning. I'm not laughing. It's not like, oh, this is so funny. I'm laughing so hard. There are people around me who are laughing so hard. I'm just grinning because it's just nice. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. And I'm, yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. And it, what I really liked about it, it was, yeah, it was a callback to um, the first movie where he's dancing and, and whatnot. And they've got the musical number while the credits are going. But every, so, okay. So at the end of the first movie, we see baby Groot mm-hmm. and we know that it's going to be a thing. This really puts him at the forefront of the movie or, or maybe that's not it, but it puts him in a place of you will like this character just, <laughs> just because he's a little, you know, it could go Jar Jar Binks. It's not going to go Jar Jar Binks because you will like him. He's got the big eyes. He's a baby. You're going to like a dancing baby. I promise you. Oh, wait, there's a big space monster. Don't worry about the space monster. Focus on the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't like the baby, well, Tough. Know, where's your soul? Where <laughs> yeah, is right. your soul, man? <laughs> soul man. That might have been a Jeff Bridges movie. I don't think so. But I don't know. I don't know either. I. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's Kurt Russell, who we all like. And then there's Jeff Bridges, who I like. But We all like Jeff Bridges. Everyone likes Jeff Bridges. Except for one person, a good friend of mine, Daniel Butcher. Well, Can't stand the guy. Well, Daniel Butcher should come onto the podcast and, uh, and talk about his, his Jeff Bridges. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has talked about it actually at some point. <laughs> That's probably true. This is we're close to 200 episodes. Jeez. Yeah. I'm pretty sure hatred of Jeff Bridges has come up <laughs> in in conversation. So <laughs> All right. Yeah. So anyway, um uh so from here we've got the big battle scene happening with baby Groot. We've got, then they double cross the sovereign. Well, I say they double cross the sovereign. Um, the batteries that they're protecting rocket steals, some of them. And so they have a fleet of spaceships coming after them, which that was a cool fleet. That was a cool fleet. What I, what I liked about it 
there were several things that were very cool about it. One, the biggest one was the fact that it was basically video games. Yes, yes. And so when they killed the entire fleet, they didn't actually kill a bunch of people. Um, so, so for all of the carnage and violence in this movie, they saved, you know, a mass amount of people. Yeah, I mean, the Guardians themselves don't kill too many people in this movie. They talk about it. Rocket, yeah. Rocket's excited. He he's excited to kill people, and then right. it's, they're not actually in the ships. Uh, right. Later on, Rocket does. <laughs> there's a lot of violence toward people that Rocket performs. I don't know if anyone actually dies from all that, but I'm not sure how anyone could not die from all that stuff that he's doing in the forest with them. Right, and, and then you have the escape from the Ravagers with uh, Yondu and his whistle, whistle arrow. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people dying in there. Oh, I, I, I would think all of the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, it's not. It's the the guardians themselves, the heroes of the movie, don't actually go around, you know, killing a bunch of people. It's not. I mean, we had Civil War, which there was people died and that mattered. This is not so much that. No, not at all. Uh, Yeah. Now, that is, I mean, one difficulty of the movie is how do we take these scoundrels and make them lovable? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these are thieves, thieves, tramps and thieves, Mm -hmm. gypsies, tramps and thieves. Um they're, but they are lovable and we care about them. And that's another place where they just, they amp up the emotion to 11. And oh, very there's much so. lots of people with tears and lots of talk about friends and family. And that's, that's theme stuff. But, um, man, they, they go there. They go there. Yeah, they do. So, uh, back to the story though. They, they get rescued by ego and our introduction to Kurt Russell as he saves them from the fleet of ships that they went through this crazy, dangerous asteroid field, uh, quantum asteroid field or meteor field or whatever it was. Uh, the fleet went around it <laughs> or half the fleet went around it. Right. You know, which is kind of funny that they but they can't get through there. And I wrote this down. This is another one of those theme things. But. Um, they can't get through there because Star Lord and Rocket are both arguing and uh, fighting for control of the ship, and that's why they they could have gotten through so smoothly if if just any, either one of them had done it. But since they're fighting about it, they're running into things, and the ship's getting damaged, and and then the fleet comes, and Ego is riding his ship like a space surfer or. A space I, jockey. I, I had a very I, for a for a second, just a second. I thought, is that is that Silver Surfer? Did they bring <laughs> Silver Surfer into this movie? I mean, I know. I mean, and and then and I know that it's very hard to bring Silver Surfer into the movie. That you know the whole contractual thing with isn't he part of the Fantastic Four? group of things or whatever i get all that but for a second there i was like this would be the best kept secret of all of marvel and no 
No, no, it's not. It's he's riding his spaceship bareback. Um, right. I mean, and I'm my mind flashes to honestly cheesy 80s sci-fi fantasy movies. My mind is going toward like Hercules or <laughs> stuff like that, where it's just this cheesy. It doesn't even make sense. Why is he doing it this way? Other than, you know, he wants them to see him. But it's just what's what is this? And, and then they, they crash land on the planet and he comes and, and saves them and says, hey, come with me, you guys, while Rocket fixes the ship. Um, uh, Gamera and and Star-Lord and Drax all go with Ego and his servant Mantis. And why did Drax go? I don't exactly know. I mean, other than plutonium. And I get that, but I, 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 he was walking in there and I was like, why are you doing that? You have no purpose there. Gamora makes sense because she's going to be with star Lord and they're kind of like the leaders of the group or whatever, but Drax should have stayed behind. But honestly, <laughs> if you take, if you take Gamora because she's like a bodyguard or something like that, I mean, yeah. you don't need Drax, anything you would take Gamora for or anything you would take Drax for, I should say Gamora can, can do. easily do. And yeah, it, it, it wouldn't have been the same later on though, in the whole second act stuff, it, it just wouldn't have been the same. Oh yeah. No, you, you definitely need him there on ego and you need them to be reunited later in the movie. I get all that. Well, and you need him they... to be away from rocket and Groot. Right. For when the ravagers come. Right. Cause otherwise he would just kill them all. And, all that. Yeah. So. No, it did feel like a very bad idea. But to be fair, they're very good at bad ideas. They are. So. Uh, yeah. So act two, then we're on Ego, the living planet. We find out the backstory of how uh, Ego met Peter's dad or met Peter's mom and became Peter's dad. And we find out. You know, he's he just wanted the sun. He was looking for love in all the wrong places uh, <laughs> until he finally gets to Earth. But we have Chekhov's space acorn that was planted in the opening scene. And there's something sinister going on here on this planet. And Gamera, or Gamera, not Gamera, Gamera, the flying turtle monster, Gamora. <laughs> Uh, Gamora has her suspicions and Mantis almost reveals what's going on, but it's not until Nebula comes to the planet seeking out Gamora be that they end up down in this, you know, kind of temple kind of weird cave place. And there's all these bones from all these different races and creatures. And then we find out that really the reason that the ego wants to be reunited with his son is so that he and his son can both of them, uh, reshape the universe rule the universe as father and son that I mean, sounds you could oddly almost familiar. say that yeah yeah oddly familiar well and it yeah all of the other children weren't able to tap into the light and he is able to and so he's going to you know help augment what ego's doing i guess something like that because at the end, it seems like Ego is doing a pretty good job of just doing it by himself. 
but maybe it's just the proximity and he's using Peter to augment himself mm-hmm. or something like that. But that's the one thing I was really disappointed in. Uh, and, and it's a disappointment in a good way. I was really hoping that, that Kurt Russell, that ego, that his father was not going to end up being some evil trash. And he is just a terrible, evil, no good, very bad person. And yeah. It's unfortunate. I, I do like how though they, they made the argument for step parents <laughs> for yeah, people who, yeah. for people who choose to be parents or foster parents for people who choose to be parents um, and choose to take in kids rather than having that done by um, birth, you know, by blood. Yeah. And for me, that is a very, that's a very good message. You know, you, de- I always say that dads aren't the people who are, you got to choose to be a dad, whether you're biologically connected or not, you got to choose to be there. And that's, I think this movie reinforces that. But here's the thing with that is if you think about storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things you do in storytelling is figure out what is the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. And then you make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then you make it happen again and you make it happen again. And so even when good things are happening, the question is, how can this be turned into a bad thing until we get to the end? And we finally have that release of the the climax of the film where all the bad things are finally done and we've moved and pushed through it and we're done with it. Star Lord, Peter is looking for his father. OK, mm-hmm. he finds his father. But what's the worst thing that can happen? He finds his father and it's not good. You know, it, and it could be just he finds his father and his father is just some idiot or he finds his father and his father is an evil God. But, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to push our story forward? His father's not good. Now, I would also argue Yandu, not a good father. I mean, you threaten to eat your child. <laughs> That's I, I don't care. I mean, there is some YouTube couple that I didn't hear about until they got in big trouble because they're out there making these terrible videos basically abusing their children and, oh, and making geez. these abusive threats and stuff. And that's Yandu, man. Yandu is like, I'm going to teach you to be a thief and I'm going to threaten you and put you in this situation where your life is in danger. I mean, I get here toward the end, Yandu is looking for some redemption, but I mean, let's face well, facts. This is not a very good situation for any child to be in. Right. So, but the, uh, the other part is that Yondu saved Peter from certain death intentionally, intentionally, intentionally. Like I he, mean, he knew what was going to happen. Then and he said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to save this one. No, he's not completely irredeemable and he's not completely evil and awful. He's just close. Yeah. <laughs> and so when, but again, all of our characters are scoundrels. All of our characters have these really, really likable qualities. Although to me, Yandu never got to that point where he's a really likable guy. He's, he just wasn't to me. Um, which I think towards the end of the movie, he becomes less of a jerk. He makes the choice to be less of a jerk. He makes the choice right. to help. He makes the choice to sacrifice himself. And, you know, those are all the storytelling stuff that you need to do 
when you're mm-hmm. trying to be redeemed as a character. And I think that might be part of why the funeral stuff just was so long for me though, is mm-hmm. when star Lord is crying because like he lost his father, which there that's the point that they're making here in the movie. I'm, I'm still watching and thinking, but he kidnapped you, kept you, made you steal and put you in these situations where you were in mortal danger and threatened you, threatened he was going to eat you, put you in these places where he's around these people who, I mean, the way the Ravagers treated baby Groot, how were they, how did they treat Peter? So I'm thinking, is, is this Stockholm syndrome? You know, it could be, and it's not meant to be. No, uh, it's just they created a character in the first movie that honestly, uh, to me, just couldn't be redeemed quite that much. Now, I did appreciate his choice. I did appreciate he he stayed behind knowing he was going to die and that he was doing this for Peter because he actually does care for Peter. That's the other thing. He cared for Peter. He definitely cared. And that's why he was doing things that his team didn't appreciate of Ravagers. Um, But then you find out how many, we don't know how many, but he brought multiple children to Ego, eventually finding out that they died. How many did he bring knowing he was bringing them to certain death? Um. I mean, that's the whole point of Sylvester Stallone's character in this movie, other than to set up some stuff for the, you know, the third movie is Yandu broke the code. We don't deal in children. Right. And Yandu himself was a child sold into slavery. You almost get the impression that he was rescued out of that slavery by Sylvester Stallone slavery he had been in since he was a child and he was doing the same mm-hmm. thing and so <laughs> you can do all these gymnastics to make him feel like he's a good guy but I, I never felt like he was as good of a guy as I think the movie wanted me to feel mm. I, I, I might have gotten on board with him <laughs> I might have gotten there with what they were wanting me to feel well, I certainly wasn't crying. No, with, I wasn't crying Star-Lord. either. But and at the end of the day, we're talking about a blue guy who, you know, whistles and controls <laughs> whistles. the arrow with a mohawk. Yeah, like literally, the mohawk is what controls the arrow. Right. So, but what I did buy, I did buy into almost every single other relationship that was going on. The sister relationship with, and I guess we're getting into character stuff and less out of, out of the plot stuff. But the sister relationship with Gamera. Gamora. <laughs> this is not <laughs> the flying turtle. This is. Is it? Is it this G- Gamera and Godzilla? Are they sisters? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Gamera and Godzilla. <laughs> I, I I was totally into their relationship. Um, yes. <laughs> no. I, to me, I, I needed a little bit more backstory for that. I get what they were trying to do. And I feel like there's going to be a solid resolution in the third one. You know, this is the middle part of that journey. Um, just because your dad, I don't know. I don't know. It still doesn't make me feel like Thanos. I feel like Daniel 
way back when. Where's Thanos? Thanos could be here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, but he wasn't. No. Uh, but they talked about him a lot. Bit. And they do and they set up with with Nebula. They pretty much set up. I think what's going to bring the Guardians to Earth is Nebula's search for her father. That's, oh yeah, that's my guess. But they set it up as she's going off to find her father and kill him. And I think that she is going to be the one who kind of figures out where he's going and they either follow her there or she goes to them and asks for help or something like that. But I think I was expecting something in this movie to set up why they might go to earth. But right. apparently this movie actually takes place just a few months after the first one, meaning it takes place four years before uh, infinity war. And so there'll be like, and this is something that, again, I'm, I'm picking up from headlines and, and some some news articles, but they will have aged four years by the time we get into Infinity War. So I think Groot won't be teenage Groot when we next see him. I think he'll be back yeah, to normal. That would make sense. Makes me wonder if it, it, Guardians 3 is going to be before Infinity War or after. I think it's going to be after, but that's not based on anything that I know. That's just based on if they're going to keep things moving forward. Yeah. So far we haven't had any movies that are actually back in time, except for captain America from iron man. Yeah. But even that the post credit kind of took us, not even the post credit, that, that final scene the end, yeah. brought us to the present day. The so, post credit was a trailer for the Avengers. That's right. I forgot about that. And the the post credit for last uh, Agents of Shield. <laughs> the The final scene felt like it could have been the post, you know, the the tag scene that they do, but mm-hmm. instead they did a, a longer preview of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, of course. Which I hated hey, when they did that. Hey guys, you 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 like this? You yeah. like that? They're connected. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Nobody you know is in this is in this movie, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just. Where were we? <laughs> we were Characters. Talking. OK, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the plot then takes us into like, let's let's finish this up because okay. act two is on Eagle, the living planet for Peter um for for gamora yeah did i get it right gamora gamora my goodness i just have to stop saying that name um drax and and mantis who's our our new addition to the crew and then it's (laughs) rocket and groot and nebula all get taken up by uh the ravagers ravagers now nebula was the payment for saving the batteries for the sovereign. Mm-hmm. That's why they did that. And they're going to take her and get the, get the bounty. But they, uh, yeah. So she ends up, she's taken in with the ravagers and she's, she, she actually, goes, she's, she's she on comes out on top because she's the like most bad one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then Even worse than Taserface. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but then you have um, uh, you have Rocket first of all making fun of Taserface, but you have the entire crew that was loyal to Yondu gets spaced, right? And it's a an awful scene. I awful I was scene. trying to think about all the times I've heard shows talk about spacing people, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever remember seeing one that specific, you know, that bad before. I, I'm, I, I think I have, but what made this really bad was first of all, you spent a lot of time on the guy mm-hmm. and then I've seen that before, but then we realize as the camera moves around this, he was not the first one. And they've just been doing it as they're traveling. Yeah. Well, no, they're not traveling. I mean, they're they're in one place because that you just have that crowd of frozen guys just hanging in space there, and they're doing it one at a time, and they're doing it so Yandu has to watch, and Yandu's friend, I don't even know the guy's name, but it's James Gunn's brother, um, Klinger, Klingon, Clagger, Clagger, yeah, he's. <laughs> Not the guy he from acts- Nash. <laughs> yeah. He accidentally started this uh, insurrection against Yondu. And now he's very sad because he did not mean for this to happen. He did not mean for this to happen to Yondu. And then you have all those guys who got spaced. And he has to watch every single one of his friends go. There are so many. I, I was amazed, though, how many Ravagers there were on that ship. Well, I kind of feel like the Ravengers can just be added in number. Like, if they need a lot of them, they have a lot of them. And if they need, like, three, they have, like, three. Well, there were a lot of them because so many of them got space. But then when they actually escape with some funny Groot scenes, you know, you get this terrible, horrible Groot scene where they're just kicking him and spitting on him. Pouring beer on him. Yeah, it's not good. No, no, because Groot is the stand-in for your kid. And if you have a kid, like I have a, my son is, um, like 15 months old. That's, that was baby Groot. That's baby Groot right there. And you know what else? It makes you hate them so much that you don't mind so much when our heroes are just going around murdering them. No, you do not. They become murder hobos and we applaud them for it. (laughs) And so you have that scene. It's funny. It's, but there's a lot of people dying. A lot of people dying. Yes. But they, uh, but then Yondu and Rocket and Groot and Klinger. (laughs) (laughs) And Klinger, he's been, I mean, he's been working at trying to get out of that outfit for a long time anyway. And so he's trying to convince everyone he's crazy, you know, by wearing a dress. No, 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 Ben. What? What? You're you're, you're talking about Mash. Oh, oh, yeah. I keep getting Mash and Guardians of the Galaxy mixed up. It's an easy so, thing to do. Don't yeah. don't kick yourself. So anyway, Hawkeye Pierce, <laughs> he's he's just making fun of Winchester like constantly. And oh, sorry. Uh, back to Mash. I got to get out of that. Um, it's Gamera and Godzilla. Remember that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So they go and they escape and Rocket plots the ship to go to Ego and we get ping pong scene (laughs) we get a scene where this is where i think evan evan i went with evan uh he never turned against the movie i don't think but evan talks to movies and so when things are really (laughs) tense when things are tense he'll be like oh no come on this movie he laughed and he when he talked to the movie it was basically this is so dumb (laughs) 
This is so dumb. And so the whole thing where it's really bad physical effects if you go through more than 50 jumps and you're you just programmed us to go through 700 and their faces and their eyes are like getting all out of proportion and and they're just yelling and screaming and people are laughing but it was kind of goofy did you see this in 3d no i feel like the in every 3D movie, I feel like there's a few scenes where, oh, by the way, this is in 3D. <laughs> and I feel like that was one of them. Eh, maybe it could have been. You're probably right. Uh, you see them like go through these different things. And I, I'm trying to figure out what is the technology? How does the technology work? And it's just a matter of you can only jump so far and then you have to stop and then do another jump. Or something like that. But I was also surprised to see them like jump into the atmosphere of planets. And and so close mm-hmm. to planets. Because you get to see these different landscapes of different planets. And different uh, alien creatures. And this is where we get the Stan Lee cameo. Yes. The Stan Lee cameo. Which we will talk about. We okay. have to talk about. We, yes, we have to. I have questions about it. That only a Marvel aficionado such as yourself can answer. I'm not going to make any promises, but I have very strong opinions about this. Okay. About what it means. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people speculating different things about it. And honestly, I don't. There's some speculation. I'm just not. I'm not hip to it, man. I'm just not hip to it. Well, okay. So when do you want to talk about that soon? Do you want to get through the plot of this movie first? <laughs> How about we talk about it as a post-credit? <gasps> there we go. Okay. All An right. Exception of post-credits. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that brings everyone together. And then we also find out Ego's evil plan uh, is to corrupt his son, Darth Vader style. And... You know, but his son's not as easily corruptible. I mean, what is he going to, what about my friends? What about my friends? And he's turning down immortality mm-hmm. for his friends and they're going to blow up ego and they're going to blow him up good. And we get a big fight scene and it's, you know, they, they ratchet it up. What's the worst that could happen? His dad's evil. What's even worse than that? His dad wants him to be evil. What's even worse than what that? His friends are in danger. What's even worse than that? The universe is in danger. And what's even worse than that? As they are figuring out their plan to stop the universe from being in danger. Another set of bad guys, quote unquote, comes and attacks them. And so they have to deal with two battlefronts. And so it's just this building upon, you know, problem upon problem upon problem. And that's good storytelling. It's good storytelling. And they, they did a good job of ratcheting up the tension. And then they had all the humor and the jokes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it's like ratchet up the tension and then release valve. Cause you're laughing now. And Oh wait, we're going to ratchet up the tension again and then release valve. Cause that's, you know, that's why they do like the jump scares and scary movies mm-hmm. is they're ratcheting up the tension and then they give a release valve. Cause Oh, it's just the cat, mm-hmm. you know? And so you laugh because it's just the cat, but then they're going to, you know, they're, they're building you up, letting it down, building it up, letting it down, building it up, letting it down. This one, they build it up well 
And it really, the humor could have worked really against the movie in the tension department, but I don't feel like it does. No, I don't feel like it does either. I feel like it, it, adds to the tension it mm, adds to the tension is wrong it complements the tension it's like a good sweet and salty mix right sure yeah or the 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 metaphor i would use is it's it's reese's peanut butter cup see i don't like reese's peanut butter cups i don't either but it's a great metaphor you got peanut butter (laughs) in my chocolate you got chocolate in my peanut butter that's right together they taste great So what do you think about the story here? I mean, the resolution is father and son must fight. Father and son are both superpower gods. Father and son beat each other with their these bodies they create. Son becomes Pac-Man. <laughs> that was fantastic. his father. <laughs> and then you have the Groot rocket thing going on with the, the bomb and the instructions and all that stuff. And then you Which have you saw in the trailer. Yeah. And then you have, um, the escape. We got to get out of here before the bomb goes off. And Drax is carrying Mantis and everyone's trying to escape, but ego is not making it easy for them. Ego pulls the ship down. Ego sucks Drax into the earth as he's trying to hold Mantis up above his head. Great moment. I love that moment so much. Yes. Um, ego encloses baby Groot almost to the point where he can't move at all. And he's so tiny and I'm sitting there crying because that's my kid up on the screen getting closed into the living planet. And I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's troubling. But I mean, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. You knew it was going to be okay. That is maybe one complaint I have about this movie is that I, and, and not this movie specifically, but the fact that I know that the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to return in Infinity War makes all of this I lowers the tension for me because I know that you know Peter Quill's going to be okay going forward. He's going to survive because I've seen set photos of him. Now that's not my you know. That's maybe my own fault, but it's not hard to know that. But there's the question of how. Yes. And there's also the question of who's not going to make it. Yes. So we walked into the theater. Evan Evan predicted that uh, Nebula wasn't going to make it through the movie. And I was wondering if Yondu wasn't going to make it through the movie. I'm also wondering, could Drax be killed? Could... Uh, Gamora be killed. We know Peter's not going to. We know Rocket's not going to. He's too much of a selling point. We know Groot. He's not. Nothing's going to happen to Groot. And if something does happen to Groot, they'll get a splinter and they'll grow another one, you know? Right. But uh, of the of the leads of the main Guardians of the Galaxy, Drax is the most expendable. But you have him for comedic timing. Mm hmm. Um, otherwise pretty much everybody has plot immunity except for Mantis. Yeah. Which I'm kind of surprised Mantis didn't die anyway. Yeah. And so the tension for me 
yeah, it wasn't who's going to live, who's going to die. Although I was wondering if certain people, I, I did wonder after Evan said something about Nebula, I thought, Oh, that makes sense. Maybe she could die. Um, as just, that's the end of her, her arc, you know, she, she dies the noble sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. But for me, the tension was, okay, how is this all going to end up? Um, now you did, I did notice though, they put earth in danger. You know, yep, it's, they did. I, and that was something I compliment, I was complimenting them on because now you have the dairy queen in danger and, and don't mess <laughs> with my dairy queen. Um, but like it made it real. I would have liked to have seen some connection to the greater MCU, something like what's going on. Let's call the Avengers or something. Oh, anything, <laughs> anything. And I didn't, I mean, they were in New York. They could have had Avengers tower, but then this turns into an Avengers movie at that point. So, and I I'm on the fence about that, but still uh, any kind of connection would have been fine. The fact that there was none, Eh, okay, whatever. That's this is an argument we've been having. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it felt like, uh, it felt like Supergirl, the movie. Do you remember the great big climax battle in Supergirl, the movie? It's just taking place in this little small town, and it's like using um, forklifts, and <laughs> it just feels like the stakes are just so low, so low. And here. Yeah, the Earth could be overwhelmed by this thing, but it's just kind of this little corner town. And it's a town like I work in. It's a town like I, I pass through two of these towns on my way to work, uh, where it's just this tiny, tiny, you know. I live in that town. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's that's not to say, okay, because there's not two million people living there, it's it's not important. It's just to say that the stakes didn't feel like they really got close to being big. Um, other than uh, on earth, I should say the other planets made it much more, um, I don't know. It was much more visceral for me. The mm -hmm. other planets where you have like the alien mom holding the alien baby running away from the thing. And those kind of things were, were more, uh, the, the tension f was less from earth for me and more from these other planets where he had left these things. You know what? This is how they should have done the MCU thing. They should have made it a Baskin Robbins, and that's where Ant Man is working. <laughs> but he doesn't work there anymore. And this is before Ant Man, technically. Oh. Yeah, I think well, it is. Well, still, that's how they should have done it. I should have written the script. No, I shouldn't have. James Gunn <laughs> did a fantastic job. So but, the climax, the, the resolution. It's it's lots of punching, it's lots of emotions, and it's you know finally a great big explosion that's going to kill everyone. But they get out in time. Yondu sacrifices himself, and and that's our end. And you get the the and then going back to your what's the worst that could happen? You find out that uh, ego killed. Uh, his mom by putting the brain tuber in. His you're head. right. You're right. That is another, yeah. Another part of that, <laughs> you know, let's, it's... let's escalate this up one more time. And then you have him filled. You have Peter. So filled with rage. The only thing he can do is destroy, you know, destroy the thing with his heart, not his mind. Yeah. And 
let's jump into style now that we talked yes. about the plot, but let's jump into style because that is where I have the most complaints. There is so much good scripting going on here, funny jokes, and as crass as the jokes can be, they are very character driven mm-hmm. and they are clever for the most part. Now, I think more so in the first movie than in this one, but the crassness is still clever. It's not crass instead of clever. It's crass and clever. It's and there's a difference to me, especially there is a difference when I'm watching something and they're just using, uh, you know, just using the language and, and, you know, using the, you know, just the content to shock the laugh out of you. I don't like that as much, but when they're actually being clever with it, I appreciate at least the cleverness of it. I may not appreciate the content. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I, I appreciate the level of skill that goes into writing the jokes that are funny, but there are some jokes that just felt to me like they didn't fit. And there was some lines where it just feels to me, they are just expositing me. Mm. They are just saying this, like the whole, the reveal about his mother that did not ring true when ego said, yeah, you know, it really, it just really hurt me when I put the brain tumor in your mother's head, you know, that should have been something that should have been figured out by Peter and the line. It just didn't feel right. Like he's trying to convince his son to join him. He's not stupid, but he makes a rookie mistake, you know, and just completely gives away his, his whole plan. um, I mean, you're, you're talking about a God who has made, you know, made himself human, um, or human like to, to, for some nefarious deed that that's really tough motivation. You know? Yeah. And and maybe he he is just so disconnected that saying that he, he just doesn't even think it could possibly cause someone to be mad or it's almost like he's super ego. (laughs) Almost. Almost. But then there's other places where he, not just him, but the script explains things to us. Oh, this song. Let me explain this to you, why this is us. And now I'm going to explain it again, why this is us. And it's like, no, let the song and the moment speak for itself. And so the, it wasn't a lot, but there were a couple moments that just kind of took me out because it's like the character stopped to say, hey, we're going to explain to you what's going on here. Right, right. I, I do feel like some of that happened. I mean, I feel like it was mostly with the um, Kurt Russell character because it's such a hard yeah, motivation to find, I think. I mean, with Peter's Quill and Gamora and basically all of the Guardians or, you know, the non-gods, it's very easy to find what their motivation is. But how do you do that with a god? <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. Well, but I mean, it's, it's like this, the scene with the song, the mm-hmm. Brandy. Uh, and the song is playing. And it's saying, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you have. All that stuff. And as the song is playing, he then 
explains it and quotes it again. Now, we've already heard the song two times, and now he's quoting the song. And it makes for a powerful moment when he squeezes the Walkman. Mm-hmm. But again, he, he didn't need to re- repeat what he had just gotten done hearing. And but these are these are minor quibbles, because for the most part, I feel like the script is fantastic. To be fair, I've never heard that song. And so I don't I'm not oh. that super familiar with it. And I feel like I may be in the majority rather than the minority in that. Um, it's certainly not a super popular song. I mean, I listened well, it to was. Well, it was. And, and to be fair, you know, I'm not, I, I didn't listen. I don't listen to a lot of seventies music unless I'm forced to at work. So, you know, whatever that yeah. means. Yeah. And, and, and maybe we needed that, but yeah. I don't the, know the, that we needed it to such an extent though. I will say that. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked the way they wove the, the theme of the song into the motivation mm-hmm. of the lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is him saying, you know, Peter saying, well, why'd you leave my mom? Well, yeah. And then, oh, the song. Oh, hey, you know what? I can use this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife, my love and my lady is the sea. Well, that's here. This is my life, my love and my lady. And, and it should be for you too. And we're going to connect and bond yeah. just like father and son. And we're going to be good at it. Yeah. Now, did people laugh by the way, when, when, when Peter created the ball of energy and then they started playing catch. Oh, <laughs> did people laugh? Oh, I they, <laughs> it was, I'm, I'm trying to watch this and think, are they going for the laugh here? I think they're going for the laugh, but they're also not going for the laugh at the same time. Because it's this kind of emotional connection, but it's just so goofy. And the grin on Ego's face as they're doing it is just kind of, hey, yeah, hey, come on, throw me the ball. Hey. (laughs) But I I think that's Kurt Russell, though. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's the character, too, in that he's trying to play the part of the thing Mm -hmm. that Peter's always wanted. You know, and Peter always wanted to play ball with his dad. Right. Right. (laughs) So the other complaint I'm going to throw out there just just briefly is some of the repetition. There is a lot of times where you just have this loud, loud scene going on and then you cut to a quiet scene with music playing. Mm-hmm. And um, now I love the soundtrack, so don't get me wrong, but it just felt like, oh, didn't we just do something like this? And it did have a very music video type look to it as in in the cutting as well as in the the cinematography and the visual effects um but then so did the first one so you can't or, or i'm forgiving it for that because the first one did too it's more the repetition and mm-hmm. less less the the style there uh but that said the way that they use first of all you use music in the world mm-hmm and, you know, the whole dance sequence with Groot, that's on location music. You know, he yeah. is l- listening to that music as they are doing the fight. He's dancing to the music as they do the fight. Rocket, when they do their escape, hey, can we turn on some music? Yeah. And why are they turning on music? 
I, I feel like he's turning on the music intentionally because he doesn't want to leave quietly. He wants to kill every single one of them and they, this will wake them up and they are not going to die in a surprise explosion or self-destruction. No, mm-hmm. they are going to be awake and aware. Mm-hmm. And so they start the music and there's other things like that where the, the music is playing and it's just, okay, this is, this is making it fun or this is making it ironic or, um, it, it's very much a part of the world. Um, not to get little mermaid on you, but it's very much a part of the world. And it's very much a part of the scene. Um, and that again, first movie did it too. When he, he gets the Walkman blue Swede, that's my song. He says my song. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it's very much a part of Peter Quill's character too. Yes. Yes. It's very, very, I mean, he loves the music because it, it's a gift from his mother. Mm-hmm. And then volume two, the cassette that he gets is a gift from his mother. And now he has a Zune with 300 songs on it. <laughs> and he's still not a gift only- from his mother, but a gift from his stepfather when he died. I mean, there's, there's that connection there. <laughs> yeah. Not stepfather, and- adopted father. Um, his mother was- leaves behind the cassette for him and his, his uh, kidnapped, kidnapping uh foster adoptive father leaves him a zoon and i was worried though didn't the zoon have a jailbreaking problem or or like the clock set back and now they're all bricked i mean I, i'm worried about uh, peter yeah. zoon i'm I not hope- worried about it you're they they've got computer program rocket rocket can fix that problem no problem all right i mean maybe he should just have an apple product i'm just saying I think you're right, but you know, take what you can get when you're out in the middle of the galaxy, right? That's true. The Zune would be on a junker, you know, <laughs> junker thing. It, there's no way. Now, if they if they had done like an old iPod uh, classic or whatever it is, the one that hold held like nine billion songs, yeah, that would have been I fantastic. I think it's the funnier, scroll though. wheel. I mean, <laughs> They're going for the the laughs with the zune. Yes, they are. They let's, definitely let's are. face the facts here. The nerd the nerd laugh alone was worth uh-huh. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they don't have zunes in the future. <laughs> it's not in the future that they have the zune. It's from the past to the present. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's like he had the Walkman. I mean, the zune is the. No, it's not even close. Never mind. I always wondered how the Walkman had batteries. Was he able to like go back to earth and get double A's? No, no, he has his own battery power in there. He is the battery. He could be, honestly, he He could have been. Yeah. (laughs) Now he's lost his powers. That's, that's the kind of fun thing here. He became a superhero, Mm -hmm. was able to fly, do all these things, but now he's back to guns. Well, you know, guns work out well. That's his thing. Unless Gamora takes it, then it's her thing. But then she ended up using the sword anyway. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, where are we in your quadrant? Well, is there anything more in style? I mean, I don't don't think maybe there is much because it's it's a frantic style. It's an up and down. It's (laughs) it's. 
uh, a lot of juxtaposition yeah. of you see one thing, but you hear something that there's dissonance between the two of them, but they, they end up working together. And um, other than some minor quibbles that I had there, the style of the movie just kept me into it until the end when we got to the, the funeral stuff. And I'm just like, ah, oh, it's a little, I feel like we should be ending with, I think part of the problem guardians of the galaxy for me, I think needs to end as a celebration and it kind of does a celebration of a life lived with Yondu. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we get into the post credits, we're getting back into that celebration. Yeah. We're, we're getting back into the, the funky music and, and yeah, that's to me, it was the most um, visually interesting MCU movie I've seen to date. Um, I can't think of anything that looks like this. I can't think of anything that behaves like this. I mean, maybe the first guardians, but it, this is very colorful, very, there's lots of stuff to look on, a, the, you know, in the frame, you can watch it over and over again and see different things. I'm sure I'm not going to test that theory. <laughs> not today. Anyway, not tonight. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're right about that. And it, I, I, th- I, I'm curious how much Thor Ragnarok is going to try and, and do the same thing. Because the trailer to me is definitely trying to say, oh, you remember Thor, but and you remember think Guardians. Guardians, think Guardians of the Galaxy. The Thor movies you saw, they were good, but I want you to think Guardians of the Galaxy, which people responded to in a different way. Right. So we'll, we'll see. We will see. But both of these things are definitely playing up on, on that 80s mm-hmm. vibe. Um, I mean, even all the space stuff that they have going on there. Um, the, the sovereign's fleet that was eighties. I mean, the sound effects from yeah. the control pods in their control room, it's an arcade and it's absolutely wonderful. You know, I it's swear just I stuff. heard a little bit of a tie fighter X wing something in there. I swear I did. I heard arcade sounds. That's the, yeah. The sounds, I didn't necessarily hear specific ones, but it definitely brought that that feeling of this is an arcade. I'm in an arcade. Yeah. And the way that they're all gathered around the people who are still playing. And it's like that person who's like, he's he's getting a high score on one quarter. He's almost That's there. Right. He's going to break the record on the last Starfighter game. <laughs> Except for one thing. I, I was so mad for the the guy he's the last one and no one else is flying and everyone's gathered around him and he is going to take them down and then his ship gets destroyed and everyone's like you stink you're right? terrible and i'm just thinking he outflew every single one of you that's standing there calling him a jerk and saying he stinks come on man give the guy a break i felt bad for him and he was a bad guy yeah ish well, you know, the, really? well, they were bad guys in attitude. That's true. I mean, they 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 were sovereign and they definitely um, felt like they were superior. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mind them getting the stuff beat out of them. <laughs> didn't mind it at all. Yeah. Let's let's breeze through some characters here then, because we talked yeah. a lot about um Peter, but we haven't talked about his relationship with Gamora. 
which is this unspoken Sam Diane thing from <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, it's cute. I, it's cute. It's cute. I I like it. I think it's better than the than the Colson May thing that is spoken that needs to stop being spoken. Um, mm. it makes sense in this world that it go unspoken, but I do like them as companions rather than love interests. Well, we'll see. We'll see. They danced together. They did. But I remember them dancing in the first movie. Like when he puts the headphones on her, they start swaying back and forth and then she like takes them off or whatever. Yeah. It came close to dance, but I don't know if it was actual dance. Mm. So then you have the Gamora Nebula relationship, which I felt like it's Nebula is an alien character. Mm-hmm. And she has been put through situations that no one else has been put through, literally. But the idea of a father who just does not approve, no matter how good you do, that's a real thing. And mm-hmm. the idea of siblings who where one is the achiever and the other one just wants uh, acknowledgement, you know, an acceptance and is not getting acceptance from the sibling or the father. I mean, that's that's a real relationship. Um Nebula, uh, G- Gamora, at least, wants to reconnect, wants to, you know, be sisters. And you kind of get a little bit of resolution here, but there's never going to be full resolution until Thanos is dead. And Nebula wants to be the one who does it. So that's it's an interesting relationship you got going there. The people lining up to kill Thanos are are great. <laughs> And then you have um, Baby Groot, whose character arc is to grow up a little bit more mm-hmm. and learn how to take instruction. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at Baby Groot and thinking, I'm not thinking 15, what you say, 15 months, 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm thinking more two year old. Yeah, that's you know. Yes. I, and I'm or or a three year old, you know, a two year old, three year old. They dance and they mm-hmm. um, have their own, uh, you know, <laughs> strong will. And <laughs> they have their own interpretation of the their world. Yeah, yeah. And but now he's a teenager <laughs> at the end, and that was funny too. Yes, that was funny. I did. I did enjoy that. Uh, which I'm in that stage right now with with uh, some of my children, almost not the majority yet, but two of my children are teenagers and it's brutal, man. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough. A, a teenager is the only creature I know of where <laughs> they will complain because you don't give them what you what they want. And then when you give them what they want, they'll complain that you gave it to them. can someone explain this to me please how does this work i just don't get it well they're teenagers they are (laughs) that's that's the phrase (laughs) yeah they're teenagers it won't last long yeah um and it seems like star lord is understanding the wookie groot language yeah that's good yeah that's good i wonder how much of that Okay, so it's it's implied that 
we understand every, that Rocket and now Star-Lord are actually understanding his full intentions and all of it is done in inflection. But uh-huh. I can't help but wonder how much they're interpreting, <laughs> how much of themselves are putting into what Groot is saying. I think that uh, it's it's similar to, you know, C-3PO or 2D2. And it's it's in Han Solo and Chewbacca. I think that they actually do understand exactly what he means, because the way he responds to their responses, you know, where he's talking to him. We got we got to talk about your language, man, you know, and and that kind of thing. I think that they actually understand exactly what he means, exactly what he's saying. Hmm. My my interpretation. But I think they do. Well, cool. I, I do know that they give Vin Diesel the lines, what it actually means. Oh yeah. Like they, they give him the sentence and then they have the, have him say, I am Groot um, with the inflection that he would use if, you know, emotionally with that sentence. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, it's really neat. <laughs> that is a cool way to, to do, to film that, you know, mm-hmm. to, to make this movie and to bring that character to life. Uh, Rocket. So he, we haven't talked a lot about him. Rocket's arc in this is very interesting. I mean, the first movie he was, he was kind of dejected and drunk and, and mad at the world. And I think he's coming to some sort of acceptance of his place in the world and the universe and the galaxy, if you will. And (laughs) in the family that, that has been created around him. Yeah. I think, I, I see his character as the kind of person and, and this is again, I know people like this who they they want to run away from you before you're able to reject them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I see him doing is he's pushing people away before they have the chance to push him away. And it's not a healthy way of dealing with things, uh, but it is a safe way and it's control. And mm-hmm. You know, I, I may not like that our relationship is crap, but at the same time, I, I may not like it, but I have control over it. And so if I need to right. you know, flush it, you know, I, I can be the one who does it and, and you're not the one who does it to me. And I, I've seen this uh, many times with people with relationships where that is just, it's, it's, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways that you're expecting someone to uh to push you away and and so you make it happen um yeah and yeah and so this is where now yondu is the one who i think had the most lines where he's saying exactly what we're supposed to figure out but yondu explains rocket to us and to him to, to rocket himself. Yeah. He has that moment where it's you and I are just like each other. And, and then it's, it's yeah, you're right. Yeah. And they have, he that, doesn't say it, but he's might as well. Have. Yeah. And they have that, that moment that happens in a lot of family stories, you know, where the, they yell at each other and then they hug. Mm-hmm. Didn't actually hug, but they could yeah. have. And then you actually have the line. And this is back to Yandu, but he says, and it's so cheesy. 
he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. Did you like how they gave Yondu his his correct fin? Hey, they figured it out, man. They figured it out. Yeah. And uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's pretty fun. And, you know, that goes back to the original character in the original Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's also Sylvester Stallone and his crew. Um, When I first saw the kind of crystal guy that's with him. Mm-hmm. I thought that kind of looks like I couldn't remember the guy's name, but it looks like one of the guys from uh, the original Guardians of the Galaxy. And then at the end, when they all show up for the funeral and they're they're flashing from person to person to person, um, when I saw Ving Rhames, right, I thought that is that what they're doing? And then the post credit shows us Stallone, Ving Rhames, the Crystal guy, who I guess is um, oh, what's the actor's name? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm not going to be able to think of it. I but, did see Michelle Yeoh. Yep. Now, I don't know who she was. I, I have seen articles that explain who all the characters are. Um, I don't think she's the I don't think she's one of the female characters from the original Garden of the Galaxy. But Stallone is meant to be Starhawk, who is a kind of a leader of the, the team later on. Um and Ving Rhames is supposed to be Charlie, Charlie 27, I think is what his name is, who mm. is from Pluto, which is such a dense planet. No, no, he's not from Pluto. He's from Jupiter. And because of the density of, of things there, he's very strong. And the crystal guy is from Pluto. And mm. I can't remember his name. I think it's Martin X or Martin X or something like that. Um, and so that that crew there is kind of another Guardians of the Galaxy team. And it's almost like they came back together the way that the one robot head thing saying, I'm so glad to be back together with you guys. Um, I'm wondering if they were like a previous team that was banding together like Star-Lord and his team. And I'm thinking, are we going to get this in Guardians of the Galaxy 3? It must be. You don't cast you don't cast Sylvester Stallone no, in something not. like that. Or Michelle Yeoh, even. If you're not going to use him again. Yeah. Or yeah. Ving Rhames. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, if we're going to go there. Because he just yeah, shows up in the last 30 seconds. And it's, wait right. a minute. I know him. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, you think you age well, but you really just fine wine. Um, I messed that line up. Please don't write in and tell me that. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So. I don't know anything about those people. I, I've, the Guardians that I know is, I'm going to say almost entirely the movies. I might yeah. have read, they might have shown up in Civil War. I don't think so. Well, um, no, they didn't in Civil War uh, because they were out doing their thing in in a different event. The Planet Hulk? Well, it's the Armageddon wave or something like that. It's, it's, it was a cosmic event. Here's the Guardians of the Galaxy that we have in the movies right now. Mm-hmm. are a more modern version of the team that took their name from this other team that came from a long time ago uh, in like the sixties, as far as when the comics were, were done. The, these characters I'm talking about are the original team that are actually from the future. And so it's very, it's very much a Buck Rogers kind of thing where a uh, mm-hmm. present day astronaut 
freezes in space and then wakes up in a future that's bad and then helps them to, to defeat the alien menace that has taken over the earth. And then they go back in time and they, they do things with superheroes in the present day with the Avengers and stuff like that. And yeah, so that's, that's those guardians of the galaxy. And that's the team that we're kind of seeing shape up there. Now there's another, well, there's a couple more characters. You have Howard the duck again. Mm hmm. Yay! <laughs> and you have uh, we talked about Michelle Yeoh, and we talked about um, the, those people there. There's there's a head thing and the alien. I don't even know who those guys are. But then you have the big thing for me, and that is the Sovereign have created a birthing chamber. I was going to ask you about this, and they're going to call what? him Adam. Is that Adam Warlock? It is indeed Adam Warlock. Now, for me, and and sorry, listeners, if you know this, it might be repetition. But Ben, who mm -hmm. is Adam Warlock? He's a cosmic character who kind of became like Superman Jesus on an alternate Earth. <laughs> and it's actually fascinating. It's okay. very much out of the, the hippy-dippy... 70s or whatever uh but there's some interesting stuff they did with the character and you know he's a I, I wouldn't say he's silver surfer but he's a silver surfer type of um you know i don't understand humans and i'm gonna try and understand humans and i'm gonna you know try and help people but they don't trust me and, and you get into those, some, those kind of things there's a podcast out there called resurrections and it used to be called Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, but now it's called Resurrections, an Adam Warlock Thanos podcast. <laughs> but it gets into they go kind of issue by issue and it gives a great background to the character. Hmm. So I would I would recommend checking it out. But anyway, yeah, he's really powerful. And I think that it's set up not for Infinity War. I think it's set up for volume three where Adam Warlock might be the problem or an issue that they have to deal with uh, in, in that one. Yeah. But he's golden skinned, which I didn't even think when I was seeing the sovereign that I might be seeing where Adam Warlock comes from, but that kind of cocoon that he's in there, mm -hmm. there was a similar, or there was a cocoon that looked kind of like the comic book cocoon for Adam Warlock in the collector's collection mm. in, in the first guardians of the galaxy. And people were thinking, oh, is that Adam Warlock? And no, apparently not, because here it is. So I talk, I listen to that other podcast uh, to get more, more details or read some of the comics. There's, there's mm -hmm. collections and stuff. Um, I'm not an expert on him, but I do like the character and the idea of what they're trying to do with him. And yeah, but Silver so Surfer is a better space Jesus for me than than adam <laughs> and silver surfer is the uh fantastic four universe right yeah yeah he's yeah, okay. he's fantastic forecast so right so he's not going to be in the mcu no no um let's see mantis she's mm -hmm. new and they use her well i i feel like she is a great addition um, <laughs> but I feel really bad for her, especially with Drax. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I, yeah, 
I feel like she was used, though. She didn't actually grow at all. She was just told she was ugly, and then... she Her growth came in overcoming her fear and telling people the truth. So yeah. her arc was done before Act 3 started. But she she's an emotional driving force for our characters in that she reveals things that they didn't know about themselves or reveals things that other people didn't know about them that were going to be trouble, trouble for the relationships around them. Yeah. But it's nice for Drax. I mean, Drax wears everything on his sleeve. He doesn't have sleeves, but if he did have sleeves, he would wear everything on his sleeve and he loves the idea of someone being able to, to do that. So. And put him to sleep. Yeah. And then there's Drax who. Yeah. I mean, he just says what he says and thinks what he thinks and is very literal, but is learning. He was able to play a joke. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. He laughed a lot. I can't remember if he laughed this much in the first movie. But, I don't think so. I think he was more somber in the first movie and he definitely put the plot forward in the first movie because he ended up calling Ron. Oh, that's and, right. And, I forgot and, about that. I mean, he, he, he threw a wrench and made that movie go towards halfway through it. And I'm not, I don't remember if he did that in this one at all. Well, not, not really. I mean, he still went off and did things on his own, just doing it without telling people what he was going to do. Um, but not 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 to the degree that he did before. But then he's also he's just enjoying everything around him, mm-hmm. you know, and and enjoying um, being able to jump out of the the ship and, and enjoying right. you know just, just laughing and enjoying things. Then you have him saying things that are inappropriate, but yeah, it's just off the top of his head, <laughs> just off the top of my head. Yeah. So, mm, who else do we have? Do we have anybody else? I think that kind of rounds off our characters there. We may have missed a minor one, like the sovereign lady. <laughs> um, but I mean, we talked about Star Lord and his relationship with his father a lot. It just kind of yeah. that brings us into themes, which really, like I said, there's a lot where they just say it. They just say, this is what this movie is about, almost. Um, yeah. But then it's, it's, it's about all... father and son. Yeah. But it's about relationships. It's about family. And it's about um, control right. of your relationships. And like I said, the whole thing where they're taking control of the ship back and forth, back and forth. It's kind of a, a on-screen metaphor of taking control of the relationship. And... You know, Rocket wants to rescue them. I mean, that's what he says anyways. He wants to rescue them so he can, you know, lord it over Star-Lord. But no, the, the truth is he actually cares. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to. He doesn't want to care. Because when you care, you can be hurt. You know, someone who you want to care about you or someone who you love, there is going to be pain if you have love for someone. There will be pain. It's not a matter of... If there's pain, there will be. And it's going to come from hurting because they're hurting or it's going to come from hurting out of loss or whatever. But there is pain in any kind of situation where there is love. 
And it's mm-hmm. easier in some ways to just ignore it or run away from it. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you have a lot of the, the kind of um, foster family, the step family, uh, the adoptive family. The- where it's, the family you choose. Yes. Yes. And and that's one of the, the things that you know adoptive parents they do have that 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 thing where they can say we chose you. You know, I didn't choose my teenage son. I didn't choose my 6-year-old son. Um I wouldn't give them up for anything. No. But they no. were placed into my care, you know, and mm-hmm. um with an adoptive family, they had the, the choice to say, this is the one that's the one I, you know, I'm, I'm going to embrace this child. I'm going to bring this child into my home, into my life and into my family. And yeah, and it, it, it's a different dynamic. Now the results, a lot of the end results are, I think are very similar, but the initial dynamic is very different. So, yeah. So that's our themes. Yeah. I think that that's definitely the biggest themes. I think there's also the kind of tropey themes, which are don't be a jerk. (laughs) Be good people. (laughs) Don't kill people because you want to (laughs) or need to just try not to kill people. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, 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 the better way to put it is try not to kill people. You yeah. Know? Be, you know, be good people, be good humans to each other. Yeah. And don't try and destroy the universe for your own evil desires. Cause that's troublesome too. Yeah. Capital T rhymes with P stands for pull. Something like that. And use your heart. That's the other thing. Use your heart. Yes. <laughs> Again, just said blatantly, right. <laughs> just blatantly, <laughs> Hey, well, he, I think he only said the first three letters, by the way, use your, uh, the second time he said it, the first time he said it, he said it all the way, but Peter didn't catch it. And then the second time he said it, he didn't get it all out, but Peter had already heard it the first time. And now he's piecing it together. Okay. Well, that's it then. Yeah, this is uh, guardians Guardians of of the the Galaxy. galaxy. There it is. Volume two. There it is. Did you get to see the uh, the homecoming trailer? I saw the homecoming trailer. I saw the Thor Ragnarok trailer. I saw the Star Wars trailer. And the trailers just never stopped. Oh, we only saw Justice League, Wonder Woman. Oh, and we saw Wonder Woman. I'm excited for Wonder Woman. It looks good. I, I, it looks I very do good. Not, do not care one iota about Justice League. But I'm excited for Wonder Woman. Mainly because it has Captain Kirk in it. Yeah, that's the one. Actually, that's the problem for me is I really? can't I can't see him as anything else now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his every line he, he gave in the trailer is Captain Kirk. Yeah. Um, yeah, they could have Shatner play old him in the <laughs> in, in the Justice League movie, you know. Take, oh, that would be the meta on that is oh, just that'd be so fantastic. Yes. Yes. Well, Stuart, I think we need to wrap this up then. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, you got anything to say before we, before we wrap it up? Cause I sure nope. do. 
I know you do. I uh, do. Yay, yay, Guardians. Yay, Marvel movies. They they are my. I get to go see them when they come out. I don't get to see anything else when they come out, but when those come out, and Star Wars, of course. But yay, Marvel movies. I just have to say, we are in a world of turmoil. There is stuff going on everywhere, and it's not good. There's economic stuff. There's political stuff. There's international relationship stuff going on. It's not a good situation. But it's not all bad. And I just want to remind everyone, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. In these times of hardship, just remember, we are Groot. All right, Stan Lee. Stan Lee shows up in this movie in a spacesuit talking to three people in capes, robes. And very bald heads. With bald heads. Those are Watchers, which I think you're aware of, right, Stuart? Yes. Okay. Watchers in the Marvel comic universe are they're, they're, uh, interstellar beings who are devoted to observing and who will not interfere with a culture. They will just observe the watcher of the earth is called Watu. I, I at least that's how I say it, but he kind of lives on the moon and he watches and he doesn't interfere, but he's there when there are these huge momentous occasions and he's there to watch. And so Stanley is talking to them, telling them stories and you get him in the movie and then you get him in the post credit mm-hmm. where he explains that there was one time when he dressed up as a FedEx guy and or delivery guy. And then they're walking away from him and he's saying, I got more stories. Wait a minute. Aren't you my ride home? So that's, I would say there are th- fan theories and we've talked about this fan theory that he is the watcher mm-hmm. and that's why he's all these different places and able to, you know, be everywhere. That's important. This post credit to me proves that he is not the watcher. Oh, because he's in a spacesuit mm-hmm. and he's not bald. So we, he's, I thought possibly he could be an MCU version of the watcher right but this shows us the watchers as bald men who are talking to him in a spacesuit and just leaving him behind why would he need a spacesuit if he's a watcher and then i guess in the credits he's credited as watcher informant so it's possible that all of those uh stanley cameos are all the same guy and he's like collecting stories, but they aren't because he's the watcher. It's because he's collecting stories to give to the watchers maybe. And either way, it just, we now know he's not the watcher. That's that's until they, until they make him the watcher. So what, what do you, 
do you have a theory as to what he actually is then if he's not a watcher? Well, you said it. I think he maybe oh. I think maybe he collects stories for the watchers. Watcher informant. Mm-hmm. He's a storyteller and he's intentionally he might be still something that's cosmic. Mm-hmm. He he may not be human. And it may be he's some sort of immortal as well because he's in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's, you know, in today, but does this make you happy or sad? Yeah, it doesn't make me sad. I, I like it. I love that. They, I love that they brought in the watchers. I love that they brought in Adam Warlock. I love, I, I love that Howard the duck exists in this universe. I just don't like his beak. I hate <laughs> Howard the duck's beak. I'll get over it. Or maybe I don't even need to get over it. But the the point is having him show up and talk to the watchers. It tells me that it's not just these random guys who look similar. It tells me that he's maybe not even clones, which that would have been a fun way to, to deal with it too. But that this is a guy who is just out there looking for story. I, I love it. Right. Because yeah, I think it, that's... it fits him. Yes. I, basically, I think he's playing Stan Lee. Yeah, yeah. And Stan Uh, Lee was, you know, transported to the moon by the Watchers. (laughs) Yeah. And then left there. Cosmic Stan Lee rather than comic Stan Lee. So he's he's not necessarily writing all these Marvel comics telling these stories, but he is doing it. He he is definitely telling stories just in a different method and mode. Mm -hmm. And I like that idea. So it doesn't make me sad. And I'm, I like it. I I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a theory saying he was the watcher informant. So I also Mm -hmm. like that, that there was fan theories that were kind of circling the watcher. um, But they were able to find something that wasn't a fan theory Mm -hmm. that they could do. But still connect it to the watchers, which is a fan theory. So the fans go, I'm, I'm partially right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was almost right about that. Yeah. 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 So I like uh, it. Is the, is the watcher informant a thing that you know of from the comics? No, no. Okay. So that's something new that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. So that they're not, what's nice about that is that they're not, um, slave to what has gone before. They have, they're, they've given themselves freedom to take different paths and explore new things. Like the Sigourney Weaver character in the Defenders, you know, supposedly she's a completely new character for, um, for she doesn't have a con a comic counterpart. Yeah. So okay, well, all right. I'm not sure what number of post credits this is, but it's one of the five. (laughs) Counting down. All right. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 All right, listeners, here we are. My oldest daughter and I are going to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Say hi, Ariana. Hi. We uh, got tickets. We're on our way in, but I wanted to ask her real quick... What she was excited to see. Okay, Ariana, what are you excited to see in this in this movie tonight? I am excited to see Rocket and Groot 
and Baby Groot arguing over the death button. What What does Baby Groot say? I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. No, that's not <laughs> it. That's the death button. You do that, you're going to explode everything. Why do you carry a bomb around? <laughs> <laughs> you excited to see anything else? Baby Groot. Baby Groot, just Baby Groot. All right, so we're going to uh, hopefully see, there will be enough Baby Groot so that Miss Ariana will have um, been satisfied. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. You can also join the lively conversation going on at Facebook.com slash Welcome to Level 7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're Level 7 Pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. All right, guys. We just got done seeing the movie. We're in the car. How was it? Good. Are you Groot? Yes. <laughs> what was your favorite part? I liked it when Groot was dancing at the beginning. Yeah. Well, everybody was fighting this ginormous monster, and he plugged the music in that Rocket was putting in, but then abandoned. And he started dancing. That was pretty funny, huh? Um, so, if you... If someone were to say, is this a good movie, and would you go see it, what would you say? Yes. Go see it immediately. If you were to say, um, give a... Give a... Age... Who... Little kids, should they see it? No. No? No. Why? There's a lot of swearing. <laughs> There's a lot of swearing, yeah. Um, okay. Now. And violence. And, uh, yeah, a lot of violence. There's and a little, maybe a little. Inappropriate stuff. What? And inappropriate stuff. There's a little bit more inappropriate stuff than the first one, yeah. Um, and there's a little bit more violence than the first one. Um, but anyway. Like thousands of skulls and bones and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. We are Groot. We are Groot. <laughs> Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Hi, Samantha. I have seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I have to say, it's a movie with multiple layers. First, you have that top layer, which is... It's the with all the juvenile jokes and all of the big bangs and it's it's phenomenal and really well done and I'm I'm not a person to generally laugh at poop jokes but <laughs> okay, I, I was I was laughing so much that I I happened to laugh at, at poop jokes anyways. <laughs> for this for, just for this movie. Uh then I found that there's another layer of a a, a deeper layer where the movie's talking about finding a meaning of of in your life and and uh, what family really means. Um, you find Peter really discovering who his father is, and uh, you find some resolution, some resolution, uh, not all, between Nebula and Gamora, um, and then they take on more family, um, and then there's a third even deeper layer about what this movie is really about. And it's, it is about the Hoff, David Hasselhoff, 
this movie is all about David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys get a chance to see it and enjoy it. Uh, I will talk to you later. Bye. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Agent Daniel here. Here's my Guardians of the Galaxy 2 story. It's going to seem pretty typical for Welcome to Level 7 listeners when they hear about me and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So my daughter, who's now in high school, had a JV game um, this evening. Um, she had it um, early in the uh, early in the evening, and uh, so our plan was is uh, today, Friday, was our best day to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 2, or excuse me, Volume 2. Um, and so when we got done with the game, we were going to grab her, and then we were going to uh, run and get some food and let her change, and then we were going to go try to get into the movie. But uh, as she ran into the high school to get her stuff, we got a call from her that she had slipped and fallen. She had hurt herself. She had fallen, and she couldn't get up. She was literally a hot mess when I found her inside the hallway because she had been wearing her cleats, and she was so excited about the Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, that she would run because she didn't want to miss the movie. And when she ran, she slipped on the concrete in her cleats and sprained her ankle. She's very upset. She's worried we weren't going to see the movie. She grabbed her backpack. But as she was grabbing her backpack, her phone blew up. Completely blew up. It appears that the player ahead of her, the varsity player, um, well, she dislocated something. And so Molly was needed at the varsity, but she was also hurt and wanted to see the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, in the end, the kid got taped up. She was there for the second half of the game. She played her first varsity minutes of lacrosse as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 premiered throughout America. So, yeah, I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I'm proud to say my kid, even when she was hurt, showed up to a game and did well to support her team. So there you go. Isn't that the spirit of the Guardians of the Galaxy, a team that's a fan? Peace out later. Bye. Once again, thanks for listening. I am Groot.